Today we are in a section of scripture familiar to many, and we're going to be here for the next two Sundays. We're in Matthew, and we'll be looking at chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. If you would stand for the reading of God's Word, if you have your Bibles, turn there, and the words will be on the screen. Matthew chapter 2, hear the word of our Lord. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For he saw a star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. This is the word of God for the people of God. And all God's people said, praise be to God. You may be seated. God, your word declares that all men are like grass, and all our glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fade. But your word, O oh Lord, stands forever. May this be the word that's faithfully preached today. Unless you speak, nothing of any eternal significance will be spoken. So speak, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now in verse 1, it's speaking of a time after the birth of Jesus. And it speaks of somebody, it says, in the days of Herod the king. You're going to see that phrase three times in our four verses today, the word king. Twice it refers to this man named Herod. And once it refers to one who was born king named Jesus Christ. In our passage today, we see two kings. And what we're going to see today is that all of us wrestle, struggle with who is king over our lives. Who is reigning and ruling in each of our lives? And here we see back 2,000 years ago, it was no different. And we see this man named Herod. Now, you've probably heard the name Herod. He's commonly called Herod the Great. He's the first in a series of Herods. And he's called Great, not because he won all sorts of battles. There was actually peace during his time. He's called Herod the Great because he built. He built things that no one had ever seen. He built things that are still standing today. Now, Herod, a little bit about him, he's a king, but he's a bit of what we call a puppet king. By that, we mean there's somebody else actually who has the real authority. That would be the Roman government ruled by a man named Caesar Augustus. And the way that Caesar ruled is he would put other rulers in charge of various areas. So Herod, Herod, his mother was Jewish, his father was an Edomite, 
So he's half Jewish as a young man at age 16. I'm sure we have some 16-year-olds in here and parents of 16-year-olds. I'm one, so this, I'm, I'm a parent of a 16-year-old, so this is hard to uh, imagine. But at 16, he was put in charge of the military. And Herod won many battles. Rome came to love him, not for his personality or his kindness or his graciousness, but because Herod would deal with any opposition through brute force. He would crush his enemies, destroy them, kill them, annihilate them. So Herod rose to power because he kept peace. Herod brought peace through conquest, through violence, through destruction. It was a forced peace that Herod brought. Now, Herod was born in 73 B.C. In the year 40 B.C., the Romans made him king of Judea. In 37 B.C., he went and conquered Jerusalem, taking the temple area killing many people. The Jewish people, they didn't like Herod very much. But Herod did things to try to make people love him. Herod decided he would rebuild the temple. The temple that had been rebuilt was small and Herod decided he was going to build the biggest, most glorious, grandest temple that they had ever seen. Herod would build the temple. It had to be built in total silence. One of the great mysteries of Jerusalem, even today, no one can figure out how did those 2.3 million stones, huge stones that weighed tons, get laid one upon another. You can go there today. Still in Jerusalem, you can see these huge stones that were put in place by this man named Herod. Herod was a builder. He had over 500,000 people that worked for him. He built a fortress in the desert where David had fled Saul called Masada, which no one could conquer. They could collect enough water in Masada in one rainfall that would supply water for 10 years. He built... Um, uh, of the largest port on earth. At that time, the largest port was 60 acres. He built one that was 521 acres. Far bigger than the port in uh, Athens. He built a port in Caesarea, had it covered in marble. He built things that no one had ever seen before. That's why they called him Herod the Great. Because he was a a builder. In fact, one time a threat came to Jerusalem. So Herod was fleeing Jerusalem and his cart with his mother broke down. So he decided that on that spot he would build a fortress. But he wanted the fortress to be tall enough that he could see the edge of Jerusalem. So this man built his own mountain. This is 2,000 years ago. He literally built a mountain tall enough for himself to see Jerusalem. 
You can go to all these places today. If you were to travel to Israel today, the main things you'll look at are things that were built 2,000 years ago by a man named Herod the Great. But Herod was ruthless. Herod had 11 wives and 43 children. One time he was going on a business trip and his favorite wife was a Jewish princess. She had come from the, the Maccabees and she was revered and it was his most beloved of all his wives. And he told his servant, he said, watch my wife. If she does anything, let me know. And when he came back, his wife wasn't acting quite normal. She found out that the servant had been told to watch her. So she was nervous. And when Herod saw something was off, he killed his favorite wife. Herod, two of his boys, when he went on a trip, he came back and he had heard that these two boys were interested in becoming king one day. So he had his two sons drowned in his family pool. That's the type of man Herod is. Herod kills. That's how he deals with things. He brings death. So when Herod, the king, hears that a new king has been born, what's he going to do? He's going to want to kill him. He's going to want to destroy him. There's four responses we see by four different people in this passage. We see Herod, upon hearing that there's been a new king born, he wants to kill him. You see, another group. It says, Herod was troubled in verse 3, and all of Jerusalem. We often read over that. All of Jerusalem is troubled as well. You see, Herod, he's ruling in Jerusalem, and these strange-looking men from the east, these Gentiles arrive, and they bring elaborate gifts. We don't know how many of them were. We know they bring three different gifts, and they show up. And they ask a question. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? And they ask it to the man who is king of the Jews. Or so he thinks, Herod. So when all the people of Jerusalem hear this, they don't know what Herod's going to do. Herod could go on a killing rampage and kill everyone in Jerusalem. So they're all troubled. So another response that many people have to the king is fear. There are some who respond to the king with fear. In verse 4, they gather the religious leaders and they go to the religious leaders and they say, hey, where is he who's supposed to be born king of the Jews? And these religious leaders know the prophecies. Bethlehem. But they choose to ignore that the king of the Jews has been born. They ignore that the Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. These are the responses people often have today when we hear there's a king. Someone wants to rule over your life. You're not meant to be in charge. You're not meant to control your own life. You're not meant to run your own life. You'll make a wreck. You'll destroy your life if you try to live that way. 
No, there's someone else who's meant to be in charge. And when we hear that, sometimes we respond like Herod the king. And we go, no, no, I want to be king. I'm already king of my life. You said Jesus wants to be king of my life. I don't want that. I want to kill him. I want to destroy him, just like Herod did. Others, when we hear like the people of Jerusalem that there's a king, we go, oh, I'm afraid. Woe is me. I'm a, I'm a sinful person. I'm too bad. I, I, I can't. I'm afraid of someone else taking control of my life. That, that gives me great fear. I want to hold on to a little bit of control. I don't know what's going to happen. And then there's many who are like the religious leaders. These are the religious leaders. They're the ones who are praying. They're the ones who are doing all the religious activities. And they choose to ignore. That's how some people respond to the king. I don't want you to be king. I'll just ignore you. I'll pretend like you're not around. I'm going to live my life how I want to. Not going to kill you or destroy you. I'm just going to ignore. But it's a group of Gentiles that come from far off. And in verse uh, 2, it says they come to worship Jesus. You know the purpose of our life? Your life's mission is to see more people worship and glorify God. As a Christian, when we trust in Christ, that becomes our life mission. We want more people to worship Him, more people to glorify Him, and we are intended to become worshipers of the King. You see, there's two kings, but only one king can rule. And as we start our new year, that's the question for us. Who is ruling your life? Who's reigning? Who's on the throne of your heart? Who's on the throne of your mind? Who's the one who rules? This world will always offer false kings. Kings that can't bring real peace. Herod could only bring a forced peace. Kings that can't bring real prosperity. Oh yeah, Herod built lots of things. But he couldn't bring peace to your heart. If you go to Israel today, you'll see more stones that Herod the Great put in place than anybody else. They'll take you to all these places. Herod built this. Herod built this. Herod built this. He was a master builder. But those stones are dead. Those stones can only bear testimony to an earthly king who had no real power. But if you come to the churches around the world, you won't see dead stones. In the church of Jesus Christ, you'll see what Peter calls living stones. That's who we are. Jesus, he was a carpenter. He was a builder. We have nothing he's built. We don't know where anything that he built is. I can't take you to anything and say, look, Jesus built that with his hands. The only thing that Jesus has remaining that he built are living stones. That's you and I. 
So we can either serve the lesser kings and let our lives be like the dead stones. Lives that point to this world, point to trying to find joy and satisfaction and peace and happiness in this world, or we can let our lives be like living stones that point to our glorious, gracious King. The King who was born, born King. The King who came to reign and rule. The only true, perfect King. The only King that will ever meet the deep longings of your soul. So as we start our new year, who's reigning in your life? When you wake up each day, what do you think of? Do you just go through the motions of the day? Or do you stop and say, there's a king. And today, he's going to reign and rule over my life. And today, I'm going to intentionally live my life for his glory. I'm going to live it today. Because often it's hard for us to think too far ahead more than the day before us. We're going to enter a time of prayer. We're going to have prayer of confession. Lord, our sin is not a pretty thing. We don't like to look at it. We like to ignore it. Lord, sometimes we don't make a big deal of sin because we think our sins are acceptable. They're not as bad as others. But Lord, reveal to us where we have made other things king. Reveal to us where we've had murder, lust in our hearts. Reveal to us where we've sought to destroy our neighbor with our tongue. Reveal to us where we've been uncharitably acting and judging others. Reveal to us where we've embraced temptation rather than fighting it. Lord, reveal to us our sinful ways. Lord, we confess that we have had other kings. We confess that we've prayed prayers that were empty and even at times to maybe impress others. Lord, we confess at times we've had anger in our heart, anger that's like destructive murder. Lord, we confess that we've sought to hurt one another with our words. Lord, we confess that we've judged one another uncharitably. Lord, we, we confess that we've lusted for the things of this world. Lord, we confess that rather than fleeing temptation, we've allowed it to linger believing ourselves able to withstand. Lord, we confess that we've been discontent and ungrateful and envious. Lord, we confess that we have complained in the midst of your abundant provision. Lord, we confess that there's ways that we've tried to hide our sin and guilt both from you and from others. We confess we've tried to appear more righteous than we actually are. 
And Lord, we thank you that you forgive us in Jesus' name. Lord, saying thank you doesn't feel enough. Thank you that you came and lived the life we couldn't live. You were born in a lowly place, but yet you lived a perfect life and you died to deal with our sin that we could be forgiven. So we say thank you. Lord, help us to lay our lives down as an act of living sacrifice of thanks and praise to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.